Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Not Another Whiskey Podcast. I'm your co-host Mitch Beshard and this is... Nicholas Polacki. Sorry, I didn't realise that was how you were teeing me up. Did you forget your own name there, mate? I did, I did. You didn't point, you didn't blink. Usually, Mitch, I need visual aids, but I don't know what happened there. Yes, I am. I think I'm Nicholas. Yes, I am. You are Last time I checked. All right, and you're the other co-host, right? You're still the co-host on this? Well, I'm periodically turning up from time to time. Either I'm the co-host or I'm just a really annoying repeat guest. So I'm not quite sure. Right. Well, thank you, as always, for joining us here. And today we've got a special episode. We're doing a 30 minutes with Mary Winters, who is the distillery manager at the Cairn Distillery. Mary, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. There we go. There we go. How's your day going so far, Mary? It's good. It's good. It's um, it's Monday, so it, there's always a bit of a hit or miss. What's the day going to be like on a Monday? Is it going to be a bit crazy or chill? <laughs> so yeah, today's not been too bad at all. Good effort. Good effort. Right. So, man, I'm going to kick it off. You know, we both worked together at Wayne. Well, actually, all three of us worked at William Grant and Sons at the same time. Uh, you were looking after production at both Balvenie and Kininvi. You're now the distillery manager at the newest distillery in Speyside as we record this. And I'm saying that, you know, as we record this, you are the newest distillery that's opened up there because it's happening, as you know, every week there's a, a new distillery opening up somewhere. Um, so the, the Cairn owned by Gordon McPhail. Can you tell us a little bit about, before we get into the distillery and we get into some of the liquid that's, that's going on there, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into this whole whiskey thing? Yeah, Um did oh whiskey's all I've ever done really. My my very first job was a car park attendant at Glenfiddich when I was sixteen in in the summer holidays. And yeah, I just got really interested in the process. I'm a science geek really, so I was interested in all the biochemistry and stuff, all the enzymes, the yeast, what was going on. So yeah, I, I wanted to try and incorporate that into my studies at school. I did a couple of projects in sixth year in biology and chemistry and I did fermentation and I did about uh, alpha amylase and I'd never really stopped. I went to uni and studied brewing and distilling and um, worked for a number of different companies since then, big ones, small ones, done front of house stuff, tastings, tours and then production, which is what I'm, I'm really interested in. That's amazing. Do you have a preference of which one? Obviously, you've worked with the Agile, Glenglasso, Glenrothes, Balvenie, Caninvey, and now at Cairn. Like, do you have a preference of, or of, of what you've seen so far? Has that helped shape the, the the work that you're now doing? Yeah, I mean, I've learned a huge amount um, from working all these with all these different companies. So, working with um, the Agile, for example gave me loads of experience about loads of different distilleries and how small tweaks in your production process can really influence the the spirit character of of what you're producing. At William Grant, I was looking after two distilleries that are kind of mashed together. Balvenie and Caninvi are are quite odd. They're very unique in the industry in that there's two mash tons in, in the same mash house producing two different single malts um with us with the same front end so you you've got the same mill the same malt supply two different mash tons and you're you're then tweaking your production to to make sure that they are distinct and and unique um and again working for small companies working for bigger companies um they've, they've both got their pluses and minuses but i've 
what really attracted me to the, the job here at the Cairn was we've got a brand new distillery and it's run by uh, a smallish company, Gordon McPhail. Um, I've been around a long time. They're family owned and and that's really important to me. It's you, you feel like um like like you have a bit of influence and that you matter as a person within that company and um it's it's big enough that it's a decent sized distillery. We're producing one million litres of alcohol this year. We can go up to two million with um some more washbacks put in place and also small enough that, that you have that bit of influence um with with how you do things. And on that note, did you were you did you join after the distillery was built or did you have input into the distillery build and the whiskey style and, and, and on that note, like what is the house style of, of the new make moving forward? So I joined um in October 2021. So we had not started producing yet, but the distillery had been built. So all the production equipment and stuff was already in. The the building was well underway. Um I did therefore have a little bit of influence into how we then ran that equipment but it was yeah as I say it was already in by the time I arrived but um we started commissioning um just over a year ago so we were commissioning in April we managed to do our our first mash towards the end of April and um yeah me and and my my new team I was able to to recruit um two two new operators um last year and we really decided how we were going to commission and run the distillery in order to produce the spirit that we were looking to make. So um, Gordon McPhail were really keen to produce a new make spirit that had lots of flavour, lots of character and be able to stand the test of time in a, in a cask. So it's not going to be overpowered by the wood. We want it to, to stand on its own. Um, so medium bodied, lots of fruity esters coming through nice sweet malty base so quite complex lots of different things going on there and um hopefully we've managed to do that um fairly quickly um and we're, we're really pleased with the with the new make spirit that we're producing mary i want to come back to production in just a minute but you know for someone who hasn't been to the cairn and i was lucky enough you guys invited me down i think it was two weeks ago now uh, I had a great time down there. It was for me. It was great to actually see it because I drive past there so often on my way down to Edinburgh from from Speyside. And I remember when I I, I first saw the ground being broken on it, and I was like, "Oh, well, what's happening there?" At first, I thought it was going to be like a, a new sort of housing estate. I knew there was a distillery going in round about that area, but I didn't realize at the time that was it. So for me, it was great getting that experience that, that you guys give at the Cairn. If people are visiting you, can you give a little bit or broadly about what, what they can experience when they go to the distillery? Sure. So we're, um, we look very different to a normal standard distillery. It's um, a very interesting building. It's it's curved there's circular parts to it and so immediately when you drive past it might not necessarily look like a distillery although we've tried to angle it so that you can see the stills when you're when you're driving past so that's maybe your first little bit of an indication um we're obviously located in the cairngorm national park um and therefore how we built this distillery and how we integrated it into the local environment was really really important um, so as well as um, putting a, a distillery in what was an old 
farmland really field we've got to um ensure that we increase the biodiversity of, of our local environment so we have done lots of different bits and pieces with the build to make sure that we achieve that aim so one of the most um interesting things we've done is is put a sedum roof a living roof um so it's short rooted plants the the little flowering plants and stuff as well they're succulents and they attract loads of pollinators so we've got lots of bees lots of different insects buzzing around up there which is amazing to see we're hoping um that well that'll continue to thrive um it's it's been running really well so far and we've got um an ecologist that we work with who comes to check that make sure things are, are running as they should and we're also trying to encourage the um the nesting of wading birds as well so we've we've made sure that there um is, is long grass in certain places to to let these birds nest and thrive um and nesting boxes for rare golden eyed ducks as well so there's lots of bits and pieces that we're doing over and above just just making whiskey so hopefully any visitors to the distillery will be able to get a feel for that as well the environment will change and grow as the years go on we've got loads of um, trees and stuff planted that that will change over time um so the the site that you come to see in the next couple of months will be completely different in in five That's ten so cool. years time and, and will grow the distillery itself um what we're trying to do is is look to the future the cairn is the, is the future of um of gordon and mcphail and um we're trying to produce something now that can lay down for the next 12 20 50 75 years it's amazing that you guys are putting succulents to attract different wildlife. You know, if you leave out Iron Brew and Tonics Tea Cakes, you can attract Mitch Bouchard as well. That's, <laughs> is, that, is that how he ended up finding his way there? Like E.T. <laughs> following the trail of uh, yeah. candy? Good, <laughs> now, is, it, on, on a serious note, that is so cool. I remember, you know, after, after doing the tour with you guys, I walked down and it's literally a stone's throw away from the River Spey as well. And you guys have created like a beautiful spot. There's a, a nice path you can walk around and... It is fantastic to see that. And I think as well, I love the fact that when I went there for the tour, you offered different uh, levels of tour. And the, the, you guys spoiled me with all the food that you supply for one of the, I think it was the high-end tour. And then that tasting room as well, again, overlooking the spay is just absolutely stunning. You've done a great job on it. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, we, we really want to, to highlight where we are. We've got an amazing location as you say, right down the space just at the bottom of our of our site, looking out onto the Cairngorms and stuff as well. It's it's gorgeous. And yeah, with with the with the food and the bistro we're we're really trying to showcase um local produce. So everything that is served is um from Scotland and trying to be as, as local as possible. And it's a sort of tapas style menu. So lots of different little plates. Um and really just showcasing those ingredients um and you can there are two tours that that come with food um but even the the standard tour that doesn't necessarily come with food you can purchase food later in in the bistro should you wish to as well super cool i love the fact that this this sounds like this distillery is just like we for every distillery i've ever been doing i've always said it feels like a living breathing thing but to actually make the things around it, whether it's, you know, local farm food and, you know, that kind of farm to table or all Scottish kind of raised. And then, you know, having, having the, 
the elements that you've talked about with regards to you know the the the, the farmland and establishing trees and, and and bringing back nature into part of that i think it's really important and uh, it kind of encapsulates that kind of living breathing feel of a distillery and, and and brings it to a totally different level so congratulations on that with regards to the blends that you currently have out at the moment and i know this isn't your wheelhouse and we did speak about that off camera but like can you name obviously any of the backbone liquids for the existing liquid, or is this just from the stock profile of Gordon McPhail's existing buys and the distillery is now going to continue to create to that level? Yeah, so the, the bottlings were were put together um from our existing stocks. Um Gordon McPhail have quite a vast portfolio of different mates. The biggest. Different, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know the I was, biggest I've right. ever seen anyway, outside Absolutely. of a distillery owned. <laughs> done done my first day when i went into elgin and got a tour of the warehouses so like, well, it's insane wow. right it's never beautiful. seen anything like it before um <laughs> so yeah we're unparalleled different like options there really so um different makes different ages different cast types and what um what the team then did was was to to draw from from those options and put together um some blended malts that Will hopefully emulate what what the cairn will produce in the future that's so cool now the distillery as mitch said is in the cairngorms national park so being in a national park does this mean that everyone in scotland technically owns a little bit of the cairn <laughs> <laughs> this knows? is mitch by the way just trying to blag his way in to be like i'm now a distillery owner <laughs> thinking if you see him drinking the new make right off the still you'll know why <laughs> You know, one of the things we like to do here is just kind of get away from the whiskey stuff a little bit and do like quick fire rounds. So what was your first ever whiskey? Well, one that's memorable to me would be Aberler Abuna. I used to work at the, the Whiskey Heritage Centre or Whiskey Experience now. Yeah. And um, yeah, that, I remember that from those days. There you go. It's a great dram. It's big a big bowl. one to start like, off with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. Say. Holy hell. <laughs> Yeah, wow. That's a big it's a big powerhouse to, to kick things off. Outside of Scottish whiskies, do you drink other whiskies from around the world and do you have a top choice? I would have drank a lot of Tullamore when I worked for William Grant. <laughs> it was nice, easy drinking and easy to mix. We've all been <laughs> we've all been there for Tully and Ginger. <laughs> the the experience you've had in production that you must have had some horror stories. What's the what's the kind of worst one so far? When I was at Glenglassa, it must have been a week, maybe a week into me being on shift on my own. And uh had handover from the day shift operator saying, you're good to go, ready to mash. I'm like, great, that's fine. So I went to go mash in, mashing in, everything's fine. And then maybe 20 minutes later, I took a walk downstairs and there's just grist and hot liquor all over the floor oh, oh my goodness what on earth has gone wrong here <laughs> so good well obviously run stop everything run downstairs and see that one of the draft doors and their manual draft doors there um wasn't quite shut so i'm underneath the wheel <laughs> shutting oh, this draft wow. door um to restart <laughs> everything and every single mash after that i check downstairs like um five times 
<laughs> How long was the cleanup? Not happen again. Oh God, it was awful, and it well it's sticky and just oh, yeah, not not fun. There was lots of hosing going on that evening. I hope you got him back in to clean it all up, and you didn't have to. <laughs> yeah, <it>. should have done. <laughs> going oh. back to the care though, it must have been really exciting for you because that first bit of new make spirit running through the stills can you can you explain to all the listeners how that kind of felt and how that was was it a big kind of ceremony when when you guys did that at the cairn yeah well probably not a big ceremony no there was just me and um the two guys on site and then the guys from Forsyth who were helping us commission but yeah it was really exciting i was there with uh, with my gas monitor because i'm in an atex zone and my phone <laughs> to to film the first spirit coming through the safe and yeah for us it was it was hugely exciting we did um a bit of a showcase and a party a few months later once we'd kind of let things bed in and we were happy with our spirit character and we had the family um come on site and that that was amazing i mean it was it was great to see that that first run come through that was really exciting but to then see how proud the family were of yeah, the, this this new investment, this new creation of theirs, um, and how invested they were in it. Like, yeah, there was definitely tears to eyes, and um, that that felt really cool to to be part of. And now that you guys are are sort of bedded in, I suppose you could say, you know, what six months in, I think it is. Oh, it's a little bit more than that, isn't it? Yeah, it's a year now. It's yeah, a year now. A year wow. Year. Okay. <laughs> So now you're a year in, are you starting to experiment a little bit with the new make spirit? Are you starting to experiment with different casks right now? Or is it still just keep going with the the, the house style at the moment? No, I mean, we are um, playing a little bit with, with production and spirit character. So what I would say, we, we've increased our production this year. So last year we were just doing a day shift. Um, so we were working five days a week. We did five mashes. We're now doing um, two shifts a day and we're doing nine mashes a week. So there has been a change to our fermentation profile. Um, so because of that, the spirit character has changed slightly, um, which we were expecting. Um, so I'm now looking at how I can manipulate things to to try and get it closer to what we were producing last year which we were we were really pleased with so with um our production level this year um it's not to say that the the spirit character is poor it's just changed slightly so there's probably more of that cereal note which i'd said was was kind of our base and less of the, the fruity esters so we just want to boost that ester production so having a little play around with with fermentation just now and particularly on fermentation temperature and to see whether we can reduce the initial lag phase of the fermentation um speed things up a little bit do things a bit warmer um get the yeast working quicker and that will then hopefully give us a bit longer for secondary fermentation towards the end so um i did a wee trial what was it last week week before so we we ran that on two washbacks just to see whether our, our cooling on the washbacks would be able to cope and and it did um and i'm just waiting on um uh a login that we can access remotely because we don't work overnight there's no one here um after 10 p.m at night so we want to be able to monitor the cooling um remotely so i'm just waiting on some bits and pieces from logic automation to allow us to do that um and then we'll we'll hopefully do a, a couple of weeks trial to see how that influences the, the spirit character 
That's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And it seemed like as well when I was there, there there's quite it, the distillery's built so that it, it can expand. Do I be right in saying that? Because it seems like a lot of room in there. Yeah, we've got room for another six washbacks, um, which would take us up to the full capacity of two million liters of alcohol. So at the moment, we're we're half of that. We're we're one million liters of alcohol. Um, without any more washbacks, I can't really make much more without significantly impacting the the fermentation time, which I mentioned we've already reduced slightly um, to to increase to the one million. Is all the warehousing on on site for that, or are they going to move some of the barrels around? No, we don't have any warehousing on site at all. So being in the national park. Um, planning permission for a big shed probably wouldn't be terribly <laughs> easy. Um, I think t- towards the beginning of the project, they did look at um, a warehouse on site, but very specific type of warehouse. It would have had um, like kind of built into the landscape, really um, yep. grass roof type thing. And and actually the number of casks that you'd be able to store in there would, would be pretty small, really. So it was decided not to to go ahead with that. So all our warehousing is done over at Benrowick, our sister distillery in Forest, so it's about half an hour away. So the casks are, are all stored there. We do have a um, project to, to put up another couple of warehouses there over the next couple of years as well. I know one of the things that, that you guys have, which is pretty crazy, going back to the, the, the bottles that you have, which I don't think we've, we've mentioned. This is a, a kind of futuristic look on how the cairn is going to taste uh, in you know 12 years' time. And you go all the way up to 70 years old. Is that right for, for a is that a blended malt that's 70 years that, that people can taste? I believe it's the oldest blended malt in the world, right? Have you tried that? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yes, it does go up to 70 years old. And, yes, all of them are are blended malts. Um, and I think it's an amazing opportunity to be able to, to taste some of these on site here. I mean, it's not every day that you get to taste a 70-year-old whiskey. Um, so that you get the opportunity to taste that on our... Um, on our top level tour. I want to say thanks very much. It might be going into summer, but we are all about the winters right now. So Mary, thanks very much for coming on Not Another Whiskey Podcast. It's been really informative, really exciting. Congratulations on running, building and changing, tweaking the cairn as in, in living time. I think that's super exciting uh, and, and a great to see the vision of what Scotch whiskey is going to look like. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, Mary.